Good morning. What do you do these days when life gives you lemons? I was thinking about that as I was sitting there, and uh, what I do is I squeeze a little bit of that in my Diet Coke or Pepsi because <laughs> it makes it more palatable, it makes it easier to drink. Because I, I, I kind of, they say when you go to diet drinks, you stay with them. Going back and forth is difficult. But uh, the only one I can go back and forth with is actually uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. And I don't put lemon in that. But when I'm out, in fact, uh, I was out yesterday, the day I guess it was Friday. I was out uh, seeing a church planner over towards Reading. And when I was over there, we ate out. And uh, I ordered a diet. They only had Diet Pepsi, which isn't my favorite. But I ordered Diet Pepsi. And I said to her, what, what other kind of drinks do you have? And she started, she's just kind of looking at me. She's naming them. And I said, lemonade. I said, just put a little bit of lemonade in with my Diet Pepsi, just a little bit. And she's looking at me like she's worried, like about you know getting the, getting the mix wrong or something. And I just looked at her and I said, you can't get it wrong. You can't get it wrong. Just whatever you do, that'll be fine. And she brought it to me, and, and it, was, it was good. It just helped. It saved me still a lot of calories, but it gave me a little bit of taste, <laughs> which I need. I wanted the bubbles, and I wanted some taste. Sometimes in life, when life is tough, you want to still get some, something out of it. You want to still get some taste out of it. You, you want some, some positive out of it. In fact, we all do, of course. I was thinking uh, lately about a time when I was driving along a road in West Virginia going to visit my grandmother. This was some years ago, and, and I, I'd grown up going to my grandparents' house. My dad and mother and, and my sister and brother and I, we would drive down there. It's in the middle of West Virginia. It's way back in the mountains. It has these roundabout, way, roundabout uh, to get to it. But on this particular day, I was an adult, and I was driving there, and I was driving there by myself. Not only was I driving there by myself to see my grandma, I was coming in a different direction than we had that I'd gone all these years, because I, I was someplace else, and I came up through, and I'm driving, and I'm thinking, I can do this. And uh, that was in the days of maps. So I, was, I tried to follow maps some, and I'm driving down this road, and I know that it, that it calls for me to make a left turn. So I come to this road, and it, it doesn't quite look like much of a road, but I thought, well, I know I'm supposed to turn left up here somewhere. So I turn left, and I'm driving back this road, and I'm driving, and I'm driving, and the road is getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And you could hardly pass anybody else if another car came. And then the rocks started. There were more rocks on the road. The, 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 the dirt changed pretty soon to, to gravel, and the gravel became bigger rocks. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do because it would be tough to back up out of here. By then it was one lane, and I couldn't really turn around. So these, these two guys, two young guys, start walking, walking down the road, and they're walking towards me. And I'm, I'm in the mountains of West Virginia, and these two, two guys, are, they're just, I don't, I don't want to tell you what, what it was like, but I just started hearing the, the theme song from Deliverance. But they're, we're driving along, I'm driving along by myself, these guys are coming, I'm thinking, but I've got to find out, I've got to ask them something. So I roll down my window, which I'm thinking, this may not be a very smart idea, but I roll down my window, uh, again, that's when you actually, I think I rolled down my window, and I roll it down, and then... I, they, they, they're walking up, and I, I stop a moment, and I say, and I tell them where I want to get to. I tell them the road that I want to be on. And I said, can I get there on this road? And they both looked back and forth at each other and had this weird smile on their face. And they both looked at me and said, yep. And so I rolled up my window, and I kept going, and they kept going. It's like, okay, I'm away from there. But they said I can get there from here. And I'm, and I'm driving and I'm driving and I finally get to the road. And I finally do get to it on this road. And I turn left and a little ways down there is my grandma's house. 
and I go see my grandmother. And then I later look at the map, and I realize I was obviously on the wrong road. I should have gone further and turned later to the left. But then I thought about these two guys. I thought about these two guys and what they had said when I asked them, can I get there on this road? And the strange look they had in their face, I thought to myself, the reason they had that strange look on their face is they thought to themselves, yep, you can get there from here. You can get there on this road, but why would you? (laughs) Why would you ever take this road to get there? Sometimes in our lives, we we say, why did we ever take that road? You know, we can get there. There's a lot of ways to get to the end of our, our journey, but why would we take some of the roads we do? Sometimes, though, there are roads that, they're not roads we chose. There might be roads we came on accidentally, we thought. Or sometimes somebody else drives us onto those roads. And somebody else is, is interacting with us. There was a time in that I just love. There, the, there's, a, there's a verse in the, of Scripture that uh, I remember when I was a kid, and I had to memorize a verse of Scripture or talk about one. It's like, okay, I've got to find the shortest one. So I found the shortest one. And the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. That's all it says. Jesus wept. John 11:35. Could never remember the reference then, but I can remember Jesus wept. So it's like that was a go-to verse, an easy verse. But then as I began to get older and learn it and study it, I would say, okay, what is, what, what is this about? What does it mean Jesus wept? Okay, so he cried once. Big deal. And I read it, and I discovered that it's about a time that he had a close friend, a guy, a friend that he, in fact, the Scripture says he loved Lazarus. And even though the Scripture says God loves the world, and we think of Jesus loving everybody, in the Scriptures, not very often does it specifically say Jesus loved a particular person. But with Lazarus, it says he loved him. And Lazarus was his friend, and he hung out at his house sometimes, with his sisters sometimes, and they all just, they were, he was like part of their family. And he got word one day, when Jesus was out, he got word that Lazarus was dying, that he was very sick. Could Jesus come? Because they knew that Jesus could come and heal him. And Jesus didn't go. And his disciples couldn't figure out, why wouldn't you go? If you know somebody, and you're friends with them, you're healing all these people that are strangers to all of us, and yet you won't go there, and Jesus waits. And he said, there's purpose in this. There's going to be glory given to God for this. And finally, though, he does go. And when he gets it, it's, it's... too late, the people think. They're mourning. They're, they're crying. They're, they're sad about the whole thing. And they run out to Jesus. The sisters do, one at a time. They, and they, they come to him. And the scripture says in the midst of all that, Jesus wept. Now, I think it's very interesting. It, it, gives, me, it gives me a lot of hope, actually, those two words, Jesus wept. Because, okay, here's the, very, here's the Son of God. He's God himself. He knows what he's going to do. He knows that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. And yet, he still weeps because he weeps for the people there. He weeps for the people there. He's not weeping for Lazarus. Lazarus is okay. <laughs> Lazarus is coming back. I mean, yeah, someday in the future, Lazarus dies like everybody else and, and, and goes to heaven. But he's, not, but he's weeping for the people that are around him. He's weeping for all that. Jesus wept. How, how significant to me it is that we... We, we love a God, or we can love a God, who weeps for us. And doesn't just weep for the whole world, but weeps for one person. He weeps for you. He weeps for you in your situation. He weeps for me in the situations that I'm in. 
A long time ago, I met a, a, a couple that came to a church where I used to pastor uh, in uh, York County in a church called uh, Yokumtown Church of God. And uh, they named Yokumtown, and I was pastoring there a long time. I remember one day I was telling a children's story, and I, I began to talk to these kids, and, and, uh, and I'm telling them the story. And I, mention, I, I talk about my hometown, which is Berkeyville, Pennsylvania, which is in western Pennsylvania. And when I said the word Berkeyville, these small children just began to laugh at the name Berkeyville. And so I looked at them and said, you're laughing at Barkeyville, and you live in Yoakumtown? <laughs> and I pastored there about, well, about 13 and a half years. And from the, from the, all through the 81 into the 90s, I was pretty much the end of 94. But while I was there, there was this couple that started attending, and they, they attended from uh, a place actually near, not all that far from where I end up living now around Mechanicsburg. Anyway, they started attending there because somebody in church invited them again if anything, this story should hopefully let you know how important it is to invite somebody because it could change their life. Because their lives were changed because they started attending and got closer to God. And as they came, it was interesting, like the first winter, they were so excited to come. They were a couple probably in their, I don't know how, 40s, 50s, and they started attending. And when they attended, they were so excited that that winter was one of the hardest. I don't remember which winters in the 80s it was, but there was a lot of snow. There was a lot of cold. There were a lot of Sundays where we had church, but not many people came. And sometimes people a mile away, mile away didn't show up, and they would drive the distance to get there because they wanted to be there so much, and their lives were being built up in, in the faith and in, and in Jesus. And it was so good. Now, as I got to know them, this couple, I got to know that this, their story, which was that they had three sons. And uh, their youngest son, when he was 14, was killed in a car accident. And... They, this was years later, but you could tell they still obviously carried that. I mean, you, you never get over that. You never, you never get over that. But they lost his son, but they had two other ones. And the one, the one was single, and the other, and the other guy was married. Uh, so the youngest had died. They had the middle son and the oldest son that were still around. It. And uh, the middle son didn't really come to church. Um, he, didn't, he would come around the church when we would do activity. He wouldn't come to... What do I, he, what, I, let me t- go back on that. He, he would come to church because he would come around people, and people are the church. But he didn't come on Sunday mornings, hardly at all. But when we, when we would do an activity, he would come out. And the thing he liked to do, he had just gotten a camcorder, and he liked to video things. And again, I'll show you, this is a while ago. What did he have? He had a beta camcorder. He had beta, man. He had beta. So he has this, this big, big monstrosity thing, and he, he comes and he videos our different events, and uh, as he's doing this, uh, then we'd, we'd, we'd get to see the stuff later, and it was great. Um, and uh, so I got engaged, and I was, got married uh, actually 30 years ago. On Tuesday, it was, it was 30 years for us. So thank you. So in honor of that, Tuesday, I got two fillings done in my teeth. But... Uh, <laughs> So, but anyway, so before the wedding, we're making plans, of course, and uh, we decided to get married and do it. We didn't, once we decided we were going to get married, we were going to get married. We got married seven weeks later. So my wife is a genius at planning, so she had, she had her flow charts, her charts on all this kind of stuff. And uh, so we, we, we got the photographer, we got the place where we were going to get married. We got actually married at the, at the church camp, uh, camp uh, Dublin Gap, got married up there outside chapel, reception inside in the dining hall kind of stuff. 
And uh, so we had a friend, a cousin of hers made our wedding cake. All these different things were lined up. We got the photographer, and we decided we weren't going to spend the money for someone. To, people were, were starting to video, or were video weddings back then, but we decided not to spend the money on that. But this son, this middle son of theirs, said, hey, I'd love to do that for you. Let that be my gift for you. Let me video your wedding. So he said, that'd be great. Sure. So he comes, and there's like, he, he's, he's all around videoing the wedding and the reception afterwards, and we, we were dancing out, out there. He was, dan- he was videoing us, all this kind of stuff. And then uh, sometime, so, but it's all in beta. And we only have VHS in our house. We only have, a, so he said, don't worry, I, I have both machines. I can put from one to the other, and I can make a, make a copy. But I want to edit it some, but I don't, but right away, I forget when it was, some, some weeks later, he said, let me show it to you, though. I'll show it to you on beta. Come to my parents' house. I got a machine set up there. You can watch your wedding. I'll edit it later, put the titles on, make it nice, all those kind of things. But, let, but if you want to see it. So that's what we did. We went to the house. We saw all the video, and then we were, Let's say we weren't like thinking about it that much because we we it wasn't that long since we'd been married been had our wedding so we remembered it <laughs> so we didn't have to see the video but anyway we didn't get it we didn't get it. but anyway one day I get this phone call and it's, it's from it's from the the dad in the couple the, the husband and uh, he calls me and, and tells me that this middle son the one who videoed our wedding had been murdered. And asked me to come to their home right away. He and his wife's home. So I went to their home. And as I go to their home, I'm driving there. I'm thinking, like, okay, what am I going to, you know, what am I going to say? And at that point, I'm just thinking, murder. He's like, he's been murdered. It's like, it's bad enough. I mean, you've got a son, and he's dead. That's bad enough. Now he's murdered, and all those other emotions. And I get there, and they begin to tell me the whole story. Well, at least the story that, that, that they know. Um, and that is that the father went to the house that morning. He went to where his, his son had his own place. His son was an adult. He had his own place. And when he got there, he knew something wasn't right, and he went ahead and, and he went inside. I don't know whether it was unlocked or whether he had a key to it too, but anyway, he went inside and w- walked in and just knew something was wrong, and he walked, walked through the place and walked to, to uh, the bedroom. And there, was, there were two people. There were two men, and one of them was his son, and they were both dead. And he realized it was a murder-suicide. And so he's telling me all this, and I'm trying to be... I mean, I'm dealing with it in my own way, as we all do, but we're just trying to listen, just trying to... Just trying to be there. Talk about lemons. Talk about life giving you lemons, right? They'd already lost a son some years ago, probably 20 years before that or so. Now their middle son is dead. And they began to piece it together. And they, and they, they knew that their son was gay. But they also knew that at this point in his life, he was actually struggling with it. And had told they, they knew that he had actually broken up with this other guy. Told him, I'm just, I'm struggling. I, this is not what I want to do. This is not what I want to do. This is, this is not what I want to do. So they'd broken up, and I don't know how much time there was, but the way that they pieced it back together and think that it happened, of course, no one knows for sure, is that the guy came back and said, "Will you let me in? Can we, can we talk? Can we spend one more night together?" And sometime during the night, as 
my friend died. My friend died as he slept, as he was killed. And then the other guy turned the gun on himself. One more night. But one more night is all of our story, folks. It's not just theirs. How many times have we said that? You know, it's not just about because it's two guys. How many times a man and a woman's like, okay, one more night. Something else in our lives. One more time. You know, we'll just do, it's okay. We'll let it go one more time. One more time. Instead of, instead of dealing with it then. But for this couple, they lost their youngest. Now they've lost their middle son. And this is like horrible for them. And I remember, um, I, do the, I did the, the, the funeral for this son. And it was like, very difficult, obviously, trying to be sensitive to the family, just just being about that, not about lifestyles, not about that. It's about pain. It's about we, we all experience the same pain. We all experience loss. We all have relationships. But it was different for them. But the next Sunday, this couple walks into church. And I'm thinking, if anybody had a reason to stay home today, <laughs> it would have been them. But... Um, in the service, it, in that church, we did a time where we would, um, we would let people share if they had something to share. And uh, they stood up and, and uh, said something and, and thanked people for their prayers and their help through this time. And the, and the woman, the, the, the mom in the family, the, the wife, said one thing that has really st- stuck with me. She said, people have been asking me that now since I came, got here today. People have been asking me, what what am I doing here? You know, after all, how could you be in public? How could you? Be, I mean, doesn't don't you don't you just want to be? You know, you're so sorrowful. Don't you just want to be on your own? And she said, "Here's my response to them. Here's my response to everyone when people say, how could you be here?' I say, where else would I be? Where else would I be?' She wanted to be with her family. She wanted to be with all of us, that all of us." So life didn't keep those things from happening, but because she connected to God, because they connected and, and were faithful when we're growing, they had somebody to experience that with them. If anybody thinks that Christianity, becoming a Christian is going to be an easy life, then you know, just check with your neighbor. <laughs> check with others around you. It doesn't make life easier, but it gives you a path through it. It gives you a family to connect. It gives you, it gives you hope. It gives you Jesus to, give, to have his presence. When she said, where else would I be? And, and I think of another time in the, in the same gospel that the Jesus wept verses came from. There's a, a group of people who are around Jesus. And they come to him. And, they're, and, and he's, he's teaching them. And he's teaching them some hard teachings about how they need to. When, they, when they're his, they, it's like they're consuming him. It's like they're drinking his blood and eating his, eating his body. And they, the people can't understand it. They don't, they don't understand that whole concept because he's not talking about cannibalism. He's talking about, you need to take me in fully. Don't just take me in a little bit. Let, let me consume you and you consume me. Let, you, let us be together. And when he's saying that, some of the disciples say, and the, and the, other, the next scripture I have, is some of the, it says something. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, when life gives you lemons, you have lots of options. One is you can just walk away. And sometimes you run into people that say, 
I, don't, I won't believe in a God that will let that happen to me. But other people, like this couple that I knew, they came. They, they kept coming. They wanted to be closer to God. They didn't want, and they did that because they had been building their life that way. And they weren't going to turn from what their life was. Lord, to whom shall we go when life gives you lemons? Where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go? I wish, I so wish my story was over. I so wish I was done and could just sit in that seat again. I wish, I wish, I wish. But I was at that church for 13 and a half years. And one day before I finished pastoring there, I got a phone call. And it was somebody about this family this couple that had three sons that had lost the one when he was a teenager, the second one, to a murder-suicide. And they had a son that had grown up, was, had children, had a wife, had children, had a house. They were glad at least they had this son. But I got a call. And they said, would you come to the house? Because we have to tell them, and in particular her, we've got some bad news for them. Their oldest son died. He was a truck driver. He was towards uh, Penn State up the river. And this, again, this was a while ago. And I kind of know about where the spot was, but it's where some of the two lanes, kind of somewhere of the four lanes, and there's some t- turns down around there before you get up towards 80 now and all this. And anyway, somehow he went off. And they don't know whether he had been working so much, he fell asleep a little for a moment or whatever. But anyway, he went off the road driving a truck and he died. So they wanted me to come to the house when his because they knew I knew the family, and they wanted me to come there and be there when she first found out. So, of course, I didn't want to, <laughs> but I went. I wanted, to, I wanted to be there for them, but I didn't want to be telling them this news. And so I went there, and I'm in the house, and there's, there's several uh, different, I don't know who, I don't even remember who all else was there, but I know that they had been out, the husband and wife had been out, and they were bringing, then, then, they were coming back to the house, and I remember when they pulled in, and, and we were all in this, in this living room, and I kind of got to the back of the, the, the group. I thought, well, the, she's got some closer family here, some closer friends than, than me here. So I'll just kind of, they wanted me here, but I'll just kind of stay back at first. So they walk into the room. She comes in, her husband comes in, she comes in. She looks, somehow she looks to the whole group of people that are standing there before anybody says, says anything to her. And she sees me standing in the back. And she begins to wail. I mean, I'm not sure there's many times in my life I've literally heard someone wail, but that was a time. She just began to cry so loud and weep and, and basically kind of collapsed and they caught her and, and they told her that her son had, had died. And she said, I knew that if you were there, Pastor Rich, something bad had to have happened. And she wasn't meaning that negative about me. She just meant that I'd been there with her in these other times, and she, she, she knew the way it looked, that if they had me in too, and the way everybody looked and the way I looked, that it had to be bad. That's why she, just, she, she knew before, before she heard. And so they told her. And so once again, she lost another son. And once again, the following Sunday, they came to church, and they continued to come. 
It wasn't about coming to church. It was about remaining in a relationship with God. But coming to worship let them be surrounded by other people who they loved and who cared about them. You know, I'm a parent, and I've got, well, you don't know that, but I am a parent, and I have two, I have two daughters. And I can imagine, I know some of you have experienced this kind of thing. I can't imagine any worse thing than losing a child. My wife and I were just talking about that the other day. It's like, you know, we're supposed to die first before our kids. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to work. And when you know somebody that, in this case, I knew three people that they had, three sons, and all of them died before them. But they kept going on, and they kept the relationship with the, with the daughter-in-law. Of course, they had grandchildren through him, and, and they, they just kept going. But what is it that, that you need in order to keep going? Because if nothing, I hope that nothing like this happens to you. But something like this, that's what I hope, but something like this, in some measure, either has happened or it will. So if, you, if, if it hasn't happened to you yet, you're probably thinking, well, thanks for the good news, Rich. <laughs> Reality check. The catch is for us to be ready. It's like going to school to take a test you haven't studied for, and you pray, God, help me to do well in this test. You know, you can throw that prayer up. I'm not saying God's not listening to you, but we need to be ready because the tests that we have in life will come our way, and so we need to be prepared for that. And the biggest way is a relationship with Jesus. And not just a relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with his people, with his people all together. And you're here, and that's good. But someday, it's going to show the real, the real relationship. And again, not just for you. I'm speaking to myself, too. I've never had things happen like that. I've had some things happen, but not like her. But it, hopefully, it, I never will like them. But for all of us, when life gives us lemons, what is it that we're going to do with them? besides squeeze them in our diet drinks or put them on some food or make lemonade and uh, pass it out to people for free or sell it to them or the situations of life that come your way like losing a job when it wasn't your fault. I mean, I don't know if you've ever lost a job and you could look back now and say, you know what, I really didn't do a good job. They had a, they had a good reason to, to fire me. Usually we think, I can't believe they got rid of me. Me? I was their best employee. <laughs> you know, they said, and then people say, okay, we're just downsizing. It's not personal. If you've ever lost a job, it is always personal. Okay, you can say we're downsizing and we're getting rid of all these other people, but don't say it's not personal because it is always, it is always personal. If you're dating somebody and you break up and say, let's be friends. Okay. Somebody, in that, somebody one of those two people isn't buying that. <laughs> One of those two people isn't buying that. But we can continue forward, no matter what happens in our lives, as we trust in Jesus, as we trust in relationship with him and people with him. And, and so I want to ask you today, it's like when you go through these tough times, what is your go-to response? What is it that you, how is it that you respond to tough times? Think about that at some point, some point. And then also think about, if, if he asked my friends the same thing, what would they say? Or my family, what would they say? How do I respond? How you, I respond when tough times come my way? 
Because we want to be people who, who can figure out how to face the future by preparing today. We can't just think about, oh, I don't want anybody leaving here just worrying about the future. I want you to think, okay, how can I build my life on Christ? For whatever happens tomorrow, I want to build my life on Christ. What does it take to get to the future? When I started college, I knew they weren't going to give me a college degree unless I went to class at least a few times, unless I passed some tests. I couldn't just get that end product. I couldn't just wait four years and get that. I had to do something along the way. And if you want to be closer to God in four years, and if you want to face the things that are coming in the next four years, 10 years, 40 years, if you want to face those things, be ready. Get ready. Be prepared right now. Let's pray. Dear God, I ask you to be with each person here, Lord. To be with each person as they're, they're thinking, they're, they're praying, they're, they're wondering how they, could, how they can face what's ahead. And Lord, I want to especially say a word for, right now for those who aren't just looking ahead but are facing big things right now. They're facing death. They're facing death of, of loved ones. They're facing illnesses. They're facing raising children or, or raising parents taking care of parents. They're facing financial matters. They're facing relationship matters, emotional matters of all kinds. Help them to hold on to you right now. Even if they haven't prepared for this moment, I ask you to take them through it. Take them through it. But then help each one of us not just to take life as it comes, but to prepare for the future, to get our lives right with you. And Lord, if there's anybody here who needs to do that, who needs to say yes to you, who needs to say yes to your son Jesus, then help them do that even this morning. Say, yes, Lord. I thank you that you prepared a way for me. I am a sinner. I admit that. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to pick me up and move forward. And for everyone, Lord, we ask you right now to take care of us Whatever comes our way today and this week and the weeks to come, we ask you to look over us, to take care of us. But help us do our part too. We know you'll do your part. We know you never leave us. Sometimes we don't feel you, but we know you never leave us. But sometimes we walk away. We start walking away and you're, you're still there, but help us to not walk away from you. Help us to stay true to you, to love you, and to be people who see you weeping for us, and to be people who say, where else would I go but to you, God? Where else would I go? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.